Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, we talk about the all-new Range Rover Sport and Defender 130, and then we're joined by Greg and Don from Northern California Land Rover to talk about the Rovacon. We do shout-outs and a lot more. Now here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the rusty frayed winch cable to Steven's plasma rope. I'm the unhappy accident of podcasting. Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. Well, this week, uh, heavy news week. I mean, we've actually kind of missed a couple news items over the uh, traveling to Oregon and everything else that's been going on. But lots uh, th- have been happening. There was a new Range Rover announced. I'm not sure if you uh, noticed, but our our good friend Leonard uh, announced the uh, new uh, Range Rover Sport, which is sort of like, to me, it looks a little bit like a Range Rover, a little bit like the new Discovery, uh, and they drove it up like a drainage canal, like a like a like a spillway uh, somewhere in the Netherlands. It's uh, it's pretty cool. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, I think um, I think the sports, all of the different sports, the Discovery Sport, the Evoque Mm -hmm. Sport. The uh, Range Rover Sport, you know, I uh, I like having smaller version. It's like the fun size version of a Range Rover, you know, yeah, um, the Halloween candy uh, version of your full size chocolate bar Range Rover. I, and unlike Halloween candy version, which is always a disappointment, I feel like smaller cars are are more fun generally. Yep. And I'm waiting for the Defender Sport to come out. I was just gonna say, I I would uh, I think I may be a consumer for a Defender Sport. Maybe you know, I don't love the Bronco Sport compared to the full size Bronco, but I think you know, Land Rover's pretty good at the sport in that in that context that just means that the the bronco is a shittier ver- the bronco sport yeah, is like is the, the, the entry version. level yeah, crappier yeah. version and and that's one thing i think that people closely associate is like expense with size but i right. i want to see some nice small cars yeah i'd love to see an 80 inch sized new defender it would be a single passenger car because that all of the thickness of the doors and everything would make it so that it was like a formula one car but uh, i would I, I could potentially buy that i car. mean it would just be a Jimny. It would just be a Jimny. Oh, a little God, D. I wanted, that's all I want is a little D. That's it's a little just D. a little D in my life. That's all. Yeah. So also, uh, Land Rover teased, teased the new Defender 130, officially actually going to become a car. And notice that in the photo, they have it driving through the desert and spraying sand over the different part of the car, which I think is uh, is clever. I'm not sure if Nick Dimbleby shot that. Uh, maybe he did, but uh, but it is a clever photo of the of the Defender 130. Although in some trademark and patent filing documents, there is a line drawing of the full car as they needed to do that for compliance. But uh, yeah, it looks cool. I mean, apparently the third row is actually like comfortable for a human being to sit in, uh, as opposed to uh, that available in the 
110, um, and it is not a longer wheelbase. They did, in fact, confirm that. Uh, it is not. No, I think that is uh, that is absolutely true. You know, it's still going to be the same 120-inch wheelbase as the standard 110. It just has a, a big old ass on it. Yeah, it's got a big old, big old gadonk. Um, and, uh, but it, uh, it looks good. I think, again, I, I stand by the fact that I think the proportion of the 130 looks a little more like the classic 110 than the new, uh, you know, than the new uh, 130 uh, does. Yeah, the but, new uh, one, the, no. the new 110 has a very short overhang, which is great for a departure angle, but, uh, you know, in terms of proportion, it definitely makes it look a little truncated compared to the classic 109 and yeah. 110s, which have a little bit of uh, overhang over the rear wheel. So it just, uh, you know, I think it's going to, it's going to, I mean, I, I guess it depends a little bit on how it's styled, but I think it's yeah. going to be a little bit more proportional to that. You know, it's a wider car than a 110 and it's going to be a little bit longer. Um, and the combination is going to make it look a little more proportional. So, yeah, I, and it's I agree. seats eight, seats eight, comfortably seats eight. Well, so, that's, that's everyone who listens to the podcast can ride around in this car. Yeah, that's true. And I think if you, if you, you could get nine <laughs> people in that thing, I'm pretty sure if you smash in the middle of the back row, you could get another, you could get another person uh, in there. That of course also uh, necessitates having the uh, front middle seat uh which is uh which is just awkward uh to have someone uh, have someone sitting there although uh, you know you and Linus and I took the uh, 80 inch out on your uh, rural property uh sitting three up and uh it was great you know we had a great uh, great time I mean the the standard seating for an 80 inch is 7 it's yeah. it's four in the back and three in the front so it only yeah. seats one more person than an 80 inch. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Now, I given mean, it's, their, it's probably marginally safer. Just, you know, maybe a tiny bit. But, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. That many people in a car. I don't know if safety is really job one. Uh, so speaking of safety being uh, job one, uh, after uh, last week's uh, incredible response to the first tip top tarp tip uh, tarp pants, uh, we have decided uh, to make a run <laughs> Make a run at Taco <laughs> Tuesdays by making Tuesdays Tip Top Tarp Tuesday. Tip Top Tarp Tuesday. So every week, as long as we can keep up the momentum to keep coming up with new uses for tarps, and we're happy to get your input on that as well, please send them in and we'll, uh, we'll subject Ike to just about any tarp shenanigans you can come up with. Uh, Tuesdays will, from here on out, be known as Tip Top Tarp Tuesday. Uh, so look forward to a new uh, informative, educational tarp use uh, reel available on our Instagram every Tuesday. Uh, so yeah, that's coming to you from your friends at the Underpowered Hours. The most versatile piece of off-roading equipment is the tarp. Yeah, it's no question. No question at all. So uh, speaking of uh, of, uh, of friends using tarps, we have uh, our, our good friends, uh, Don and uh, Greg, joining us from the Northern California Land Rover Club, uh, right in between you and I, uh, up there in uh, the Sacramento sort of greater area, to talk about uh, a big event, the big event that they have uh, coming up uh, mm-hmm. later this year. So let's get, uh, let's get Don and Greg uh, on the show. Let's throw some, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, high test maple syrup in the interview machine and uh, and uh, get them on the oil soaked confetti. Ooh, fantastic. I have an oil soaked. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have an oil soaked story after uh, we uh, talk to, uh, <laughs> I don't to Greg. Hear it. Done. I don't want to hear right, it. Well, well, here they are. All right. All right. We're here with uh, Don and Greg. From the Northern California Land Rover Club, uh, way up, uh, way up north for me, uh, south for uh, for Ike, but uh, uh, right in between us, like a, a Rover Club sandwich, if you will. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> welcome, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on uh, the uh, the show. Thanks for taking the time to uh, 
to talk to us. And uh, thank you, most importantly, for sharing one pair of AirPods. I think that's uh, that's definitely worthy. <laughs> that's real commitment. Real it commitment. Is. So we, yeah, we appreciate that's it. How you know, it's a Rover event. Technical difficulties yeah. from the start. That's exactly yep. right. We somehow managed to get the podcast to leak oil. So uh, so no worries. But we appreciate you guys coming on. And uh, so I thought we'd start it uh, just for those people as we have, uh, you know, uh, a good portion of our listeners are actually in the uh, the uh, United Kingdom. So for those who don't know, uh, let's talk a little bit about the history of the Northern California Land Rover Club. So first of all, you know, uh, your uh, sort of involvement in the club, how long it's been around, that sort of that sort of business. Well, let's see. What year did the club officially start? I think it's going on 16. 16. Uh, Sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, there was a predecessor club that kind of uh, devolved, and uh, Northern California Land Rover Club grew out of that. Uh, Greg and I are both uh, board members. Greg's a former president, currently a VP, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been uh, up here originally based primarily in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but scattered all over. We've got members as far south as uh, down at uh, uh, Pismo area, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got people up in uh, Reno. Currently, we're sitting near Sacramento, and we've grown quite a few people in the Sacramento area now. So yep. there's almost little subsets within the club. It's one club, right. but uh, yeah, we try to you know have little gatherings each month that Everybody can get together, some in the Bay and some up here and things. It's not always drive 100 miles to get somewhere. To, to see another Land Rover. Yeah, that's great. We actually have people um, mm-hmm. just in Medford as well. We just recently oh, yeah. joined some, right. some people in the Oregon area uh, nice. that are close to the California border that come down. And quite a few sure. people in Nevada that uh, are actually close to the areas that we frequent more. Northern California, it goes the whole way. But most of the stuff we end up doing is in the Sierra Nevada mountain range, which okay. is you know around Lake Tahoe and and Reno's much closer to that than we are. Well, Greg, that is an excellent bridge into uh, not the only reason that you guys are here today, but certainly one of the uh, big reasons is the the world famous uh, Rovicon uh, event that you guys are uh, are holding later uh, this year. So let's talk about that a little bit. So, what is the Rovicon for those people who don't know? Well. Almost anybody with a four-wheel drive has heard of the Rubicon Trail. It is the most famous trail in the world. Some manufacturers have even named their vehicles after it. Uh, But it's right here in our backyard. From my house, I can be on the trail in three hours. From Greg's, it's uh, two hours probably. Um, It has a bit of a reputation. So depending on who you are, who you ask, uh, Mm -hmm. some people will say, Oh my God, this is a, it's a killer trail. And, you know, you can't go in there unless you're on forties and one ton axles and, you know, you're ready to totally destroy your vehicle and turn it to a raisin. <laughs> and then you talk to some, the next guy who, who's, you know, ah, it's nothing now. It's a, I could do it in my Prius, you know, and <laughs> since a lot of the Land Rover community overall is geared more towards, so let's say touring in the, uh, the Outback style or overlanding mm-hmm. in the, yep. uh, the popular vernacular yep. as opposed to rock crawling. We wanted a way to introduce the Rover crowd to this, you know, must do trail. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, truly an icon mm-hmm. and put you in with a group of people who've run the trail, who are running like equipment, mm-hmm. who can explain it to you, who can spot you through, who aren't going to just go out there and tell you to take the worst possible line because they want to see you break your stuff. Right. Uh, and it's just a way to get everybody together. Like I say, it's the iconic trail. You have yeah. to do it. Yeah. And uh, it's it's been good. This is our fourth year. 
There's okay. there's so many other events that are on this trail. I think that's yeah. one of the the reasons we kind of got this idea was um, the club's been going out there and prior before that. I know people of Lander was there going out there oh, yeah. prior to the club as well and have mm-hmm. stories and pictures. So it's it wasn't like a novel new thing, but it was hey all these other brand specific events are out there. We should right. host one ourselves and. It, since it does fall in kind of our region, if you will, within the, the club's designated region, yeah, like we kind of felt, well, maybe this is this is something that we should be owning. Like it doesn't really make sense for the Southern California Land Rover Club to right. run the Rubicon event. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, right. now they do. You know, we you have members from SoCal and Arizona mm-hmm. that come, and um, we've got a decent contingent from the East Coast here that have been yeah. out. Yeah, Texas. Mm-hmm. So we've got we get people from all over. Coming. We've got like six trucks coming from the New England area this year. Yeah. Wow, that's great. So what kind of that's a great another great segue. What kind of uh, of cars do you have? Is it limited only to the most uh, you know sort of uh, rocked out uh, Discovery uh, ones, or uh, what kind of vehicles show up? Absolutely, total raisins. Nothing but raisined up trucks. No. <laughs> uh, with the minimum requirements we have on the website, I don't know specifically in front of me, but essentially 33s if you're a solid axle vehicle with mm-hmm. front and rear lockers, bumpers, um, center diff lock that works. Mm-hmm. Rear locker um, is definitely. A winch. <laughs> with, you know, knowing that if you bring something like a Discovery 2 on 33s with those requirements, it, it, you will take body damage. Um, mm-hmm. Not no, saying it's not saying you will, but there is always that possibility. You should at least be comfortable with that idea that you might hit a quarter panel or a rear tail light. Be prepared for that eventuality. Yeah, we recommend thirty fives, or you know, but that's not a requirement. But you, a lot of the trucks are kind of on that the larger side. But we've had we've had several come through with with thirty threes and do really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Especially we've quite a few like um, series trucks coming through on thirty threes, and their short yep. wheelbase is. It's perfect for that. Um, the longer 110s, they don't do so well in 33s just because it's that. Breakover is just not there. No. Yeah. Yeah. So right. Then you, you kind of want 35s in that regard. Um, uh, this year, we've opened it up to the independent front and rear vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, right. First year for these guys. First year. Yeah. We've oh, not wanted to do that. Um, but we've got so many of those. You know, we haven't made a solid axle truck in almost 20 years, right? O4 yeah, I was going to say. So that one. would include Discovery 3, 4, 5, as well as obviously yeah. the, the new Defender. And we've got a lot of club members asking about it. And we're like, you know, we, we'd we rather do one specifically with just those vehicles. But it's so hard to plan kind of trips to get out there. So we're like, okay, well... If you're going to bring one, you need, it needs to be on 35s with a front rear locker um, and a winch. You know, same requirements, but we we put the tire size to 35s. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and how again, many of those uh, cars are out there that are that are running that tire size? Because obviously, that means uh, modifying the you know <laughs> well, <laughs> you modifying the car cutting, fairly but... significantly. So, in terms of the late model stuff, not that many, uh, right. and we know that. Um, I think currently we have two late model 110 signed up okay and cool. uh they're they're big they are uh, uh out of uh denver and mm-hmm. um uh right yeah that makes total sense yeah. on yep. those mm-hmm. and um it'll be really interesting i haven't seen one in a proper crawling trail right so it'll be really interesting to see how they do and i should also say that um these requirements we're setting out it, it's not the that you can't get through the trail if you have a smaller sure. truck. 
Yeah. It's that you don't want to be running on a weekend in a big group and be the the plug that's holding things up. And we don't want you to go out there and just tear your stuff up trying to get through. Now we, uh, Ike and I, are going to uh, bring the uh, the official underpowered hour Freelander, uh, but we plan on actually <laughs> flipping it onto the roof and just towing it behind another car. I think that's probably the best way uh, in sled mode uh, to just uh, to just uh, pull it through that way. I think you throw a set of thorn birds on that baby, and it's good to go. Thorn birds—that's <laughs> exactly. a tire I haven't heard about in a while. In a while, now, uh, the, the Rubicon Trail was kind of made famous by the Jeep Jamboree, which was organized by. Mark Smith in the like uh, the 60s, I believe. And uh, Mark Smith is, uh, you know, obviously pretty famous in Jeep circles for organizing that event and had some sponsorships from uh, Jeep and Chrysler and so forth. But also a Land Rover enthusiast. He had um, a Series 2A which I now have. And uh, he also did a lot of scouting for the Camel Trophy in the 80s. So uh, kind of an interesting tie-in with that history. And that event, uh, you know, came at a time before we had all these large tire sizes. So, you know, the Rubicon Trail was run by primarily Jeeps, but some Land Rovers with like, 30s, 28s, 32s, you know, maybe if they were big. pictures you could see. 30, 31, uh, yeah. Some of the old pictures from the 50s. Um, you can actually see in an early 60s, you see some of the old FJ40s from the, the Toyotas as well as the Series 1s and Series 2s kind of mixed in. And then, you know, the funny thing on the captions on the websites is always like Jeeps running through the Rubicon on the Jamboree. It's like, <laughs> sure, <laughs> they're all well, just grouped together. They're all yeah. just one thing. Yeah, they started yeah. the they started doing those events before they even made the FJ40. I think the FJ40 mm-hmm. came out in 63, 60, yeah, 63 maybe. FJ25 was previous to that and they didn't even have a low range at that time. So it's before Toyota four-wheel drives even had a low range, yeah. which is kind of interesting, but uh, that was one of the benefits of having a Land Rover or a Jeep. <laughs> but an FJ25 a- weighs uh, 9 ounces. It's like a newborn baby, so it's, uh, it's a little easier <laughs> to just sort of bounce it bounce it through there. Light, no, no. light is right. You know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Those exactly. Suzuki guys do uh, do pretty good on the Rubicon. They sure do. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're gonna take a very quick break to hear from this sponsor. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you five dollars for every twenty you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. And now back to the show. So what is the, so what is the, what's the primary car that, that if you were to say, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about doing this and, uh, you know, the car that you guys have found has the most success on the trail, what are, what are most people that, uh, you know, that, that are really successful running? The two most attended, I would say, are, are Defenders and Discovery 2s. I'd say that's the most popular. And why the Discovery 2 specifically over the Discovery 1? Just there's more of them? I I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think there's just, they're late, you know, they're all up into 2004. Uh, I would argue. The most capable rig is the least expensive. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, So uh, I have this argument with friends. I run a Disco 1. Okay. And I argue against the D2s because, of course, is less behind you on the in the wall? rear. Sorry to interrupt, but is it the one yeah, behind you on the your, wall? Yeah, there's no, a, for those one listening. that crashed, actually, that's uh, on the wall. That one's uh, long gone. Oh, oh. 
If we were in my shop, it would be sitting on the lift right now with the steering box out of it. But yeah, (laughs) mine has no roof either. So that makes it convertible, convertible disco one, right? Yeah, yeah. Lots of shots of it on my account, actually, over the last few but, oh, we'll um, have to repost some of those uh, photos to our Instagram so people can uh, get as it. I I love a disco, yeah. a convertible disco. That's a. I, that's I a feel great like spec. the the convertible discovery with no roof is probably more weather tight than one with a roof. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, I have run it in all weather from yeah. triple digits to snow and you know with icicles hanging down. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. really seem to matter much. And then people think you have a bronco when you have no top. Oh yeah. Oh, oh a good so point. That, you yeah, don't it's have been accused of being. Yeah. Um, a Bronco several times and a Zuzu at least once. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> mm. but yeah, they just, I mean, I think Don was going to say the discovery ones are definitely shorter. So they, they so, turn to the rocks easier, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and but we've had more people bring discovery awesome. twos. On but yes, and, we have had more disco twos. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had pretty much every solid axle rig from series ones up. Oh, wow. The disco two. We've had mm-hmm. P38s, believe it mm-hmm. or not. Oh, cool. Um, um, a number of series trucks. Some of them are extremely modified, and some of them are pretty tame. Honestly, the older series mm-hmm. trucks, uh, just like uh, like Ike was saying earlier, you can do a lot with them in relatively stock form. Uh, yeah. You know, they they clear a much larger tire. Right. They you know have good angles and they're lightweight. No late model trucks. The other thing about the the Rubicon too is that there's so many lines on it. So like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can always make it harder if you, you want it, to. Yeah, and then if right. you're shorter sure. wheelbase, smaller tires, you can weave in and out of some of those large obstacles. So you want right that otherwise you would be you'd be hung up in in a in a in a bigger car. So what are some of your favorite parts of the trail? If uh you know, if you're trying to encourage people to come up to do this, where are some what are some things that are on the Rubicon that you really kind of can't get anywhere else? Aside from the actual technical wheeling, it's a really great trail. We do this as a 3-day trip. We move and camp each night. You mm-hmm. know, some people would call that rock landing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But um it's it's really, it's just enjoyable. Our first day is a short day. We come in at the Loon Lake entrance, drop through the, the granite bowl and pass the iconic sign, you know, the, welcome to the Rubicon. And uh, that's, everybody has seen that. You know, if you, yeah. if you've, if you own sure. a, famous a computer, tree, you've seen it. Yeah. Which I think is and, uh, one of these pictures back here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get that, that's the big open granite domes, the bowl as they call it. Then yeah. you get into the more traditional, you know, tree lined and everything as you come up. Uh, my personal, probably my favorite obstacle is uh, the suit bowl. And there's, I think every rock on the trail has a name. I can't begin to tell you sure. all of them. Of but uh, that's, uh, it's an optional line. You don't have to take it. But, um, oh, there's video out there of me getting up and stuff. But uh, it was at one point in time not an optional line, which is also interesting. If you go back yeah. and do some of the pictures. It, oh, interesting. Yeah. It and it's was. one of those lines that, you can absolutely, you know, underdrive ultra low gearing and you can crawl it, or you can be the Yahoo that just hammers down and smokes the tires until it goes or breaks. Right. I don't recommend step number two. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you've got that. Of course, that's a real famous one. You'll find, you just Google Soup Bowl and you'll find all sorts of them. Shortly after that, which is where we camped for the first night, uh, you've got Little Sluice, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, there is a bypass for that, although. Not, much not many people use the bypass. Um, that's a, another classic one. And uh, it's just literally there aren't too many lines you can take. It's a relatively narrow sluice full of large boulders that you have to yep. crawl through. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
come after that, you'll get up to, oh, I like uh, Arnold's Rock area. It's a nice mm-hmm. little area there, and it's got a great, it's got the outhouse with the world's best view. Oh, that's, right, uh, yes. That's worth noting, yes. Each, like, so we recommend everyone shows up on Thursday nights, so then you camp at Loon Lake, which is, you can explore the Granite Bowl and swim around Loon. But then if you do that, then you get three nights, or essentially four nights if you want, of mm-hmm. water, a different body of water each night. Mm. So you start off at Loon Lake, and then the next night we, we stop and camp at Spider Lake. And then the Rubicon Springs, the famous, where they used to go, the mineral mud baths. Uh, mm-hmm. But the river going through it and the waterfalls is fun. And then the last day we enter, exit onto the Tahoe side. So if mm-hmm. you're not in any hurry, you could hang out at Tahoe and explore around. So there's there's kind of something cool to see and historic to see each night along the way. Yeah. And it keeps the trail manageable. You don't have yeah. to have everybody hammer down trying to get through the trail. And yes, if, if you didn't have any traffic or break anything, you know, I could get through there in a day. But I wouldn't enjoy it. it right. You know, exactly. So breaking it up is just, it's better. You get time to hang out with everybody around the campfire, assuming, you know, the, the simulated campfire because of fire right. permits. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and have a beer with your buddies. And uh, that's, that, that's one thing. I will say this. This is the only event you're likely to go to that when you show up, we hand you your little arrival package and your beer. Because free beer, thanks to our beer sponsor. That's right. That's That's right. right. I I was listening that you guys do a a great, the Northern California Club has a great uh, podcast uh, that uh, I have uh, been listening to. And uh, yeah, you were talking about that. Yeah, the club. Well, so far, so good. You know, you start with some and then, you know, 66. Seven episodes later, you're still talking about the same thing. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it, it's very cool. So your club is actually sponsored by, or one of the club members, I guess, is a owns a brewery there. And uh, so we have a a couple of uh, breweries amongst the club members. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, and that one, he's the head brewer there for East mm-hmm. Brother, and he's okay. uh, he's kind of become our uh, unofficial uh, beer supplier. I just dropped off a fresh uh, a fresh rack for Greg here. Greg's nice. into the IPAs. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, he keeps uh, – my my shop at my place is kind of our unofficial clubhouse. So I have right. a lift, and everybody can, uh, yeah. can work on their rigs there. So he keeps me sure. well supplied and everything. But, yeah, East Brothers a, is a winner in all all aspects. Can't go wrong. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, that's that's great. That's that's very cool to have that. So, how do people uh, sign up for this event? First of all, do you still have uh, space available for the event? And if somebody wanted to sign up, uh, could they still do so? And if so, how do they do it? So, as of recording, we do have twenty-five, four or five openings, I think, left. We okay. do keep the, yep. the number small because we yep. don't want this to turn it. We don't want this to become the Jeep Jamboree, right. sure. where there's 500 rigs and it's just... We just uh, don't have the resources to do it sure. without, without... Yeah, we're keeping, uh, it, keeping it small. And uh, rovacon.org okay. will get you there. Fantastic. Yeah, and so rovacon.org is going to have you a lot of more information about the event and kind of history of it. And then the actual signing up or buying tickets is through the NorCal um, rovers mm-hmm. club actual store on the form mm-hmm. um, and it, so right now it's it's discounted for members and only open for members and then in june it'll go open for the general public okay um, the the difference in price really is essentially the, the membership cost so if you so if you're waiting to for june it's you're not really saving any money but um 
you don't get a membership out of it. So you kind of get less value, if you will, because you can't no, join that's the really cool. and see what's going on. So. For, for those people who uh, are thinking about doing this and uh, are not sure what they're in for, are there pictures of past events on your website? Or where would, where would somebody yeah, find Yeah, there are. And then we have an Instagram account. And then again, if you join the club, there's a forum thread around people that are going. You can coordinate uh, spare parts. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we actually have a sponsor this year and in, in Scully off road, who's, who's going to come out and bring uh, some of his skill sets around, you know, getting you off the trail. He does a lot of work at getting, helping people build their rigs to go on the trip. And then he's actually going to come this year and, and bring a uh, uh, power welder and some other parts yeah. and help cool. get um, broken okay. rovers. At last year's, um, reroute a con thanks to the fires. Uh, yes. he spent several hours rebuilding a swivel ball. Uh, yeah, so series, series, series two. You know, stick welding nine. together a, a cracked swivel wow, ball. Wow. Now, if somebody had a broken Land Rover, could they bring it to the trail and have it repaired? <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, you bring it in a working order. That's one of the requirements. But, you know, uh, everyone's version of working order is, is, it is different. different. Yeah, it's the yeah. equivalent of bringing your dirty laundry home for uh, for Christmas to uh, wash it at your parents' house. That's the, yeah. uh, I think that's a, I mean, technically I packed for this trip, Even, so. Stephen, uh, sounds like you have experience. Doing still do that. it to this day. To this day, <laughs> still, uh, still do it. Uh, in fact, Mom. in fact, uh, slight. Uh, uh, my washing machine has been broken for the last uh, two weeks because uh, there is a uh, there is a part supply uh, a shortage uh, on the uh, on the pump I, for my washing machine. So, yeah, I, I, I am thing almost myself. at the thing. I don't know. You know, the supply chain hits us, and there it isn't just new defenders. Apparently, it it's a, also washing machine pumps. Is so. it a semiconductor that your washing it, machine is short of? There's 19 computers, the same number in the <laughs> new Defender in my washing machine. Uh, it has terrain response, five different modes, uh, you know, all kinds you of different soil levels. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's got everything. Uh, and it Will doesn't you work guys all. Uh, be making it out there this year? Uh, guys- I don't. I don't think we'll. I don't think we'll make it up. Uh, but uh, you know, we'd we'd love to in the future for sure. I think uh, again, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know, if we can, uh, we should definitely try to partner up and do uh, do something. Uh, maybe a, an episode live from the Rubicon. I don't think anybody's ever done that before. So I don't know what kind of satellite communication would be necessary. And we're legendarily good at live. There are some satellite equipped Starlink, right? We can just bring Starlink. Yeah, let's do it. You're right. Exactly. uh, Do you remember the KM3 launch on the Rubicon a couple of years back? I kind of remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And their satellite uplink vehicles were rovers built by, I forget who it was on East coast. They had oh, a okay. Atlantic four by four. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. And sure. That, that's what they were using to support all these jeeps that BF Goodrich One, was flying people in and out to drive just a short <laughs> section. Fender one tens on thirty sevens that didn't didn't yeah, actually like run the whole trail. Three right. foot uh, big uplink dish mounted came in through Luton. Came through Luton and went basically towards Buck Island and kind of set up there and then yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, and famously, the Camel Trophy uh, trucks. Obviously, there was a there was a satellite communications car uh, in the latter half of the Camel Trophy in the late in the nineties. Uh, there was a, a satellite uh, truck, and they had the little dish they would put out at the back and everything. And it was a we could do the same thing. I think that's the perfect way. It's to in do, the budget. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah, we have a nearly limitless podcast budget here, so uh, no problem. Satellite comms, uh, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Uh, 
no problem. <laughs> well, guys, what else is going on at the Northern California Land Rover Club? If I've signed up for the Rovacon and I'm now a new, um, a new Northern California Land Rover Club member, what other kind of stuff do you guys have uh, going on? We just did our first um, kind of, we called it like a rover landing. Essentially, it's like an expedition type thing. We, we're trying to get away from the word overland because... Yeah, rovers have been going on expeditions before that that term yeah. was even kind of coined. But um, there's three segments of the Eastern Mojave Heritage Trail, and they did, mm-hmm. I believe, segments one uh, for it's a week, 500 miles off road, I believe. Very uh, cool. And they're they're going to try yeah. to do segments two or three later, and then they're going to kind of each year they're going to do a different kind of overland routes through California uh, through nice. the Sierras. Uh, yeah. Where the whole thing is to spend like the four or five days on never seeing pavement. Mm-hmm. So that's, nice. and those are geared towards lightly modified trucks. Sure. And we had everything from, uh, I think we had a, a near stock classic ring, uh, RRC to, uh, you know, brand new uh, 110s mm-hmm. and LR3s and 4s and everything. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest risk there is, of course, the pinstriping in the desert. Yeah, I was thinking, and yeah, tires. They did cut a few tires along the way. I mean, those, those, trucks really need to move fast through off-road. So, I mean, that's kind of the thing you want. You don't want something on 35s and 37s that's going to... Yeah, I mean, I take my LR3 when I do these types of trips, yeah. But I yeah. Mean, so, or just a standard Rover with a plus one or plus two tire size does great on these kinds of things. And then all your camping stuff you need if you bring in the whole house you can do that if you're bringing nothing you can do that too and one uh, of these days i'm going to learn how to drive an automatic transmission and uh, come yeah on we're working trips. on it we've got some uh we, you know we're going to put ike through some driver's training uh bob ives tried last uh, weekend to uh no success unfortunately but uh he's working on it he's working yeah. on it it's the constantly you know uh, trying to uh trying to shift uh the, uh, the lr3 the, with yeah. the um or lr4 with the, the netflix conversion for the stereo system and you just put it and cruise control and go right and and just it. go yeah and uh you just sit in the back seat and uh and enjoy the yeah. ride yeah no exactly i think that uh no it those yeah. trips are very cool and and it's neat that you guys are doing that otherwise yeah. the the club um oh sure yeah go ahead oh. i was saying the, the club has the members organize things all the time so yeah got we just came back trips. from one of our we do a monthly off-road gathering you know typically it's the first saturday we pushed it this last one because of mother's day but you know we go out and do just a day or overnight trip and yeah. those are geared towards everybody. You know, this one was a, a mild bit of crawling. We had a, a stock mm-hmm. 110, had to winch one point. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he was on street tires. But he's also oh, a very experienced very cool. driver. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, up to some very built Disco 2s. Sure. Um, and some weird Ram truck thing. I don't know. Yeah, you can't but, avoid uh, it. There's always going to be yeah, some. Yeah, they just, there's hey, always that yeah. guy. Uh, there's always that guy. But, yeah, well, we, uh, we're a pretty active club. That sounds fantastic. Well, if certainly if you're in the Northern California area or traveling to Northern California, uh, people can find out more uh, on your website. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes as well. And uh, hopefully you get a, a fully uh, booked uh, Robocon, and I'm sure you will. There's no question. And uh, great to see that people are coming from all over the country to uh, join you guys uh, uh, for that. And uh, yeah, hopefully in the in the near future, we'll uh, we'll try to uh, uh, join you guys for a, for a future event. But uh, uh, without further ado, uh, it is uh, a time for uh, by far the most rigorous uh, uh, lightning round uh, questions in the Rover podcast world <laughs> of the three of us. Uh, there is uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, the the most difficult set of questions. So, Ike, uh, do you have the lightning round questions? I do. Here from the home office in Sioux City, Iowa, we have 
a rigorous round of questions from you for you, excuse me. And because there are two of you today, I think uh, I think we're going to alternate answers. If that's okay, oh, we'll start with Greg. Yeah, that's the most yeah. difficult way, the most dangerous oh, yeah. configuration. Yeah. So uh, if you've listened to the show, you'll know that uh, this is a, a, a quick or short question and followed by a quick or short response. And uh, we'll we'll roll through these. The goal is to get your you know, your first gut feeling on these questions. So, uh, uh, Greg, are you ready? I am. All right. Coils or leaves? Leaves. All right. Nice. Nice. Don, soft top or hard top? I already know the answer to this, by the way. I'm going to say soft top. Yes. Nice. I figured. I figured. All right, Greg. Gas or diesel? Gas. Gas. All right. All right. How about Don? Uh, we got a tire size question, 750, 16, or 37s? Uh, I'm going to have to take 37s, although I've got a set of 40s sitting in the shop. <laughs> 40s. Are those big enough? You got to go 53s. <laughs> There's only so much you can do on a Salisbury axle. I mean, I, you got to know your limits. 35 spline <laughs> Salisbury. That's 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 the next rig, yes. Those are All right. The parts are accumulating. Dump truck Greg, tires. Yeah. Spencer or Maurice Wilkes, Greg? Which one? Maurice Wilkes. Maurice. Good answer. Good answer. All right, Don. ARB or Lincoln Locker? Uh, I'm going to have to take the ARB. ARB. Uh, all right. Fancy yeah. pants. Okay. Uh, Greg, best way to remove gear oil from your underpants? Throw them away. Throw them away. Okay. Good yeah. answer. Good, yeah, answer. good answer. All right. Good answer. Well, I think you guys, uh, you got you got eight out of eight. Yeah, well done. You've, you've run the gauntlet. Uh, a perfect right. score. Perfect score. Perfect. Well, do we, well done. Do we boys. win like uh, a, a gift certificate to Nando's or something? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, will you know, be we're in the working. Mail. Yeah, we're working closely with the Nando's people on uh, on that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, thank you Free guys for. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, as much piri piri <laughs> sauce as you can drink in a single sitting. Uh, thank you guys again for joining us. We appreciate it and uh, good work up there. Good luck with the event. Uh, I'm sure it will be uh, a ton of fun. We'd love to get some updates from you guys as you go and. Uh, uh, we'll share that uh, with the uh, nine people that listen to this show, and uh, <laughs> four of them are here. Uh, and uh, yeah, with uh, with all the best of luck, and and uh, thanks again for uh, being on the show. All right, thank you, you guys. Take it easy, fellas. All right, well, uh, Robocon is going to be uh, spectacular. I can't wait until we can do a live uplink uh, from Rovacon, like that guy mm -hmm. that they get to go stand out in the hurricane just to like, I don't know, prove to you that there's a hurricane going on. You got to get some guy holding onto a mailbox telling you how windy it is. I'd like to set that up for us on the, uh, on the Rovacon if, uh, if we can. So yeah, that'd be great. I think it would be. So uh, to uh, end off the show today, uh, we have a bunch of shout outs uh, to give out a bunch of uh, people that we want to uh, recognize and uh, thank the first Group uh, Ike is uh, probably the most important uh, group to us, uh, bar none. No other, no other human being uh, is uh, our group of uh, of patrons. So we have the uh, the highest tier of our of our patron uh, following uh, entitles uh, people to a shout out on the show. So here it is. We finally have These a critical mass. These people are mass. real, real Land Rover enthusiasts. They, they are. And we thank, of course, all of our patrons. Uh, but uh, the others have uh, asked to stay anonymous, which uh, makes total <laughs> sense. Uh, but uh, but Andrew, Mark, Mitchell, Steve, and Tyler, our good friend Tyler, uh, are all, uh, you know, uh, high uh, overdrive uh, Patreon supporters. And they make uh, this show possible. So without, uh, without them, uh, that may be the total audience of the show. Who knows? We really appreciate um, it, though. We really do. They are uh, wonderful 
grateful uh, to continue to uh, give Ike and I the means uh, to do uh, this silly show uh, every week. Uh, now in our uh, 66th week of, uh, of doing this, when will we stop? Who knows? Uh, also, uh, if you pay thank- enough, <laughs> <laughs> there's another tier that will just make us stop doing this. No one has uh, yet uh, committed those kind of funds, but uh, there is a uh, there is an emergency ripcord if you need. But uh, another we want to we want to thank people who are out there in the world, both talking about the show uh, and uh, and who uh, let us know when there are great landovers out in the world. We got a great Facebook uh, message from uh, Michael McClung uh, this weekend, who was at the uh, Dixon Car Show and uh, ran into our good friend uh, Rusty Newman, and uh, he was apparently talking up the show to uh, anybody who would listen, which was I imagine alienating uh, groups of people on mass, <laughs> uh, driving people away uh, as if with a vocal stick. Uh, and of course, Rusty owns uh, a really cool uh, 65 uh, 2A and uh, nice was, looking uh, truck. Is a consumer of the uh, Pangolin four x four classic uh, parts, and uh, they're uh, yeah, it's a it's a neat looking truck, neat look, look neat looking show. Quite frankly, I looked at some of the Dixon Car Show stuff on Instagram. Looks like a cool little uh, little show and uh, fun. And then of course, I had the uh, the uh, huge pleasure of having uh, our good friend Vlado all the way from Slovakia. Uh, here at the Barris Collection Workshop uh, this weekend. Of course, Land Roverista on uh, Instagram uh, is uh, is Vlado's handle. Vlado does some uh, fantastic uh, restoration work and sourcing mm-hmm. of really clean, really original uh, series Land Rover. And uh, Andy uh, came over with his 2A, uh, which was uh, sourced uh, from uh, Vlado with from all of the Slovakia. crazy soviet era labels and things inside the car really neat really neat car long wheelbase 2a with mm-hmm. a diesel tank color to the heater yeah it's a yeah that's that uh, that that gray uh color very soviet color that uh, the gray and uh, had neat little uh wiring diagrams inside sort of riveted to the side panels and cigarette trays on the b uh c pillar in the back seat like just all kinds of cool it's little- the it's the embodiment the vehicular embodiment of a soviet era apartment block it really is. It really is fantastic. And Andy uh, just loves it. Uh, and uh, yeah, those guys came over uh, for a visit and uh, and hung out uh, here. And uh, I, I recommend anyone coming from Slovakia to Los Angeles uh, to please stop uh, stop in here uh, at the uh, the workshop, and we'll give you a t shirt. Soviet era one oh nine. It just it just it says. Soviet era apartment block it holds a lot of people in relative yep. discomfort. I mean, yeah, and they are all smoking, right. and they're all smoking. Yep, they're exactly. And there's smoking. some like there's some questionable <laughs> wiring happening. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. It's great. It, it is a great car, and it was so it great is. to it's see really them. Cool. And uh, and uh, Vlado's doing some super cool work. If you haven't checked out uh, Land Rover yeah. Easta give on him a, Instagram, give him a shout. Yeah, he's got some. And if you're in Slovakia, I'll be there in July. We're going to try to hang out uh, a little bit. Maybe uh, maybe I'll get uh, Vlado to join me in a tip-top tarp tip. Maybe we'll try to find it. a Slovakian tip-top tarp tip. I don't wonder what, what the Slovak uh, equivalent of Harbor Freight is. I'm going to go check it out. It's just a guy. Find out. It's just a guy named Harbor Freight. Yeah, it's just uh, you know, <laughs> down the block. We'll we'll go check it out. He's got tarps. It's great. I can't wait. Sergey so, have tarp. Sergey have 
So I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm looking so forward to it. It's going to be, awesome. be there and uh, and spend some time in uh, yeah in both uh, Budapest and uh, in Slovakia and uh, check out the local Land Rover community. So if you are in Hungary, uh, Slovakia, or uh, uh, and uh, are interested in uh, hanging out uh, in the at the end of July, uh, reach out to us and we'll be uh, happy to uh, to, uh, to to talk to the one individual who uh, emailed up us by accident. So. <laughs> But again, if you would like to uh, be uh, called out uh, on the show, uh, feel free to get in touch with us. Uh, you can head over to Patreon, become a, a patron of the show. You get uh, all kinds of advanced content, special. Uh, you get to sometimes hear what Ike and I have talked about before the show, the comedy stylings of Ike Goss, which is, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a perk or not. but um, You will hear the Nando's review before anyone else that's if exactly you're a supporting right. member. It will go there first. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, if not, head over to the Underpowered Hour shop, grab our stuff. And, hey, you know what? We've got our good friend, uh, Dan, in uh, the UK at Retro 80, has T-shirts and stickers. For those of you in the UK who uh, don't want to uh, pay the uh, very expensive shipping for us to send you a T-shirt, uh, you can get them directly from Dan, right from the source, drinking from the fire hose uh, of Land Rover art, if you will. Uh, and why not pick up some other stuff while you're there. Uh, Dan has such fantastic stuff. I can't go to the website uh, because every time I do, uh, I order a ton of stuff because it's just, it's so it's cool. Yeah, I don't have wall space. I, I'm wearing three Retro 80 t-shirts today just because uh, one, you know, on top I the other. one on top of the other. They're stacked and throughout the day, I just peel them off uh, until I end up with just a bare chest and a mask to leave. So it's uh, really great stuff and thank you uh, f- uh, to Dan to help out uh, our uh, listener base in the UK, those three people that listen in the UK. Uh, well, Bob Ives is here right now, so I think the two people <laughs> listening in the UK, um, they uh, you know uh, have access to uh, dozens of t-shirts, so each one of them can have three or four in a different uh, size. And uh, unfortunately, because of uh, the excessive amount of t-shirt talk uh, on this episode, uh, we have run out of time uh, for Ike's review uh, of Nando's. Uh, Damn but it. Uh, with any luck, we'll, uh, we'll get them on the show uh, in uh, side of this decade. So, Ike, as always, it has been uh, a pleasure. Uh, keep between the ditches and we'll uh, see you next week. All right, man. Looking forward to it. Take it easy. The Underpowered Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. Pavel Svartov composed and performed our theme music. Consider supporting the show on Patreon, and if you already do, thank you. Your support makes the show possible. For even more, check out our Instagram or Facebook.